Hey, this is the True Crit Podcast, where me, John Digital, and Lizzie Benito get pretty nerdy about an artist's discography. This season, we're talking about Steely Dan, so strap in. It's going to be wild. So the album is Everything Must Go. Not very well regarded, review-wise. No, it's not. Some of the reviews, I actually wanted to mention one of the reviews I read and it was by Gavin Martin in The Independent. Did you read that one? No, I don't think so, no. No, it's it's one of the most mean reviews and interviews I think I've ever read. It doesn't really talk much about the album mm. and it's more kind of focused on, hello Gavin if you're listening, it's more focused on how they look. Like It's really mean about their appearances and he takes the piss out of the way Donald laughs at something. He says he sounds like a braying donkey. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Not really protective over him. Yeah, that's Just like... Get away, get away. That's such a weird thing to attack them for. I know, a really weird thing. I mean, you know, there's a couple of interesting bits in there, but I actually really like this album. Yeah, me too. I, it did take a few listens for me to kind of get it. It's a good follow-up to Two Against Nature. I would say it's a continuation of them going from being an orchestrated band to a band that works on feel. Mm. That's kind of Kamakiriad onward. Yeah. That's kind of, we see a change in the way that they arrange their songs. So arrangement wise, it's got groove. Mm, it has. It's a lot looser. I yeah. Think. It's quite poppy as well it's really poppy yeah it's quite catchy like the songs are really catchy yeah they get stuck in my head more i think than two against nature songs did i feel as though this album is what kamakiriad wanted to be Mm, yes um but because kamakiriad didn't have the dark subject matter because we're back on you know it's almost like a pastiche in a way this album of the dark lyrics juxtaposed against the jolly music. Yeah. Well, you didn't have that in Kamakiriad, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, it didn't kind of work for me in yeah. the way this one does. You're on common ground again. Sorry, familiar ground, rather. Jolly song. One song in particular, I think. It's ridiculous. It's so jolly, and the, the lyrics are really dark. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. There's one song I think feels like it could be on the Royal Scam, Green wow. Book. Green book, Green book, yeah. I feel like that could have been on the Royal Scam. It does feel quite familiar, this album. Yeah, and I think the lyrics are really strong. Interesting what you said about the reviews. All of the reviews seem to say it's the lyrics. You want to sit down with the lyrics sheet for this album rather than listen to the album. There's some real kind of journeys you go on. Mm. Yeah, there's a couple of big question marks that I've got, which we'll get to as well, I think. Um, yeah and one I was like I had a holy shit moment as well which I haven't had for a little while I have to say yeah I haven't had an oh my god moment for a little while but yeah on this album it's back so let's dive in come on let's do it let's dive into the last mall so (laughs) I find this song in our current situation, yeah, quite funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's about the end of capitalism. It could also be like the apocalypse as well. What would you do at the apocalypse? You'd probably go panic shopping, panic buying. Well, yeah, like Dawn of the Dead, George mm-hmm. Romero. Mm-hmm. You know, all the zombies just end up going to the mall. Yep. 
Oh, yeah. Good yeah. one. Back on the zombie thing as well. Yeah. <laughs> ah, see? It all comes around. It all comes around. This one, I feel like, is this kind of the prequel to King of the World from Countdown to Ecstasy? Yeah, it could be, couldn't it? Like the panic shopping, the tannoy announcing that it's cancellation day. Attention all shoppers. It's cancellation day. Yes, the big adios is just a few hours away. Everyone knows what's coming. Yeah. Funny, we were talking about this before we started recording, about how people seem to be just like carrying on as normal at mm. the moment when there's still a pandemic, <laughs> which is so weird. Like when we started recording these podcasts, everything yeah. was completely normal. <laughs> it was. And now uh, coming towards the end of lockdown <laughs> from a pandemic. <laughs> oh, dear. It's like post-apocalyptic yeah, it's Vibes. almost like we've been in a Steely Dan song. <laughs> it does feel a bit like that. Do you think maybe we're one of the beats of the butterfly wings? Maybe we are. Oh, my God. No. Not, we're not responsible the. for it. Let's not grandise our achievements too much, Lizzie. <laughs> hey, but, listen, it's not out there yet, this podcast. Who knows what it's going to do? Let's check in this time next year. <laughs> <laughs> if we're still alive. <laughs> I really like this song. There's four guitarists on it. Yeah, it's quite a guitar-heavy record. Yeah, it is. Even though that there is a couple of solos. Mm-hmm. Again, we'll get to that. Yeah, four guitarists. It kind of seems too much, doesn't it? Um, I don't know. I kind of like, so there's a lot of noodling in this one. Mm. But then I really like that about this album is that it just feels a lot more laid back. And it's yeah. like they kind of found their feet a little bit on the last album. And they've kind of hit their groove a bit more in this one. Like they're a bit more comfortable with what they're doing. Yeah. I think I read somewhere that some of the songs on the album were recorded live. Oh, wow. Which is really unusual for them. Yeah. (laughs) That's like the complete opposite. Yeah. Of how they work. Yeah. So obviously it's going to add to the free feeling. Yeah. Even kind of hot off tour Steely Dan of Countdown to Ecstasy. Mm. You know that every fucking single note of that was an overdub. Yeah, of course. It's a constructed record. Mm. But that's amazing that they were able to to feel comfortable enough to get stuff down on tape as a live band. Yeah. What I also find interesting about this album as a whole is how it is bookended by this song and then everything must go at the end. It feels like it goes full circle. Yeah. I am quite sad that this is the last Steely Dan album. There's a sense of it hanging over the recording. And obviously yeah. they, didn't, they didn't. I don't know. Did they know that? Did they know that this was their last album? Had they made that conscious decision? Because, you know, Walter died three years ago. So, you know, this came out in 2003. Yeah. So it's not as if that put an end to the band. They were touring. They were doing solo albums after this. And then nothing else really happened yeah and we will get to that last song obviously but i do wonder did they consciously make that decision i can't find anything anywhere that kind of attests to that theory it's it's difficult because it's the same way as gaucho feels like a final record Mm. is it just the fact that there is a finality after the event Mm. makes us really consider this as like a last record yeah i mean it could be very much that i'm projecting 
because <laughs> I know. I don't know. It's an interesting one. It's the last album, John. It's sad that it is. It is sad that it is. But, you know, it, it could have been a lot worse. They could have taken a brave new direction and gone and made a dance record. <laughs> or they could have just made, like, <laughs> Kamakiria 2. Kamakiria 2, The Reckoning. Or... 11 Tracks of Whack, The Revenge. Oh, God. I can't believe we just skipped that album. We'll skip <laughs> like, nah, sorry. <laughs> it's too bad. It's too bad. It's a, Yeah, it was a bad album. Can we move on to Things I Miss the Most? Yeah. I fucking <laughs> love this song. I love this song as well. I really love this song. And there's a couple of songs on here that make me chuckle. And this one makes me chuckle. It has got a real like wink to it, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. I think this is the Gentleman Loser back again. Yeah, but it's the Gentleman Loser that has achieved in his own mind at one point in his life a level of what he regards as living his best life. Yeah, but it's all materialistic. Though, it's isn't it? really materialistic. Yeah. So do you think... Here is a theory that he's in prison. Um, no, because I kind of feel like he's just in a very small apartment. Mm-hmm. Prison is interesting. So here's my evidence. <laughs> um, so obviously he's lost everything. Yeah. In some kind of breakup. But he talks about... I don't mind the quiet or the lonely night. I don't miss the funky. He talks about the bird that comes to visit him. Mm -hmm. Is that like the prison, like jailbird? Yeah. And he is learning how to meditate. And also he's doing like a really kind of boring, weird craft by making a a model boat out of balsa wood. (laughs) I don't know. I find that like a real kind of prison endeavour. Obviously, I've never been to prison. But then he says... feels like he's kind of in prison he's got nothing to do yeah and the days are stretching out before him because he's got this really long prison sentence and that's when he's kind of mulling over all of the things that he used to have but also it's the line the talk the sex somebody to trust yeah and then he reels off all these other i find it really weird him talking about an audi tt <laughs> it's <laughs> like you don't know what an audi tt is then I forget that this is made in 2003. So yeah. there's just bits of it that made me think, was he a gangster? Has he been banged up? Or is he, he's been through a divorce and he's he's kind of got enough money where he doesn't actually have to do anything. Maybe. But his wife has got the car. She's got the house. Yeah. She's got like the vintage 54 Strat. Yeah. The good copper pans. <laughs> the Eames chair. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what yeah. I don't know what an Eames chair is. Oh, Eames chairs are really they're gorgeous. I yeah. love an Eames chair, but they're really expensive. They're like a really designy sort of armchair with a footstool, but they're just mega, mega expensive and really fancy. Right. I think you'd like one. I've got expensive taste. Maybe they'd like to sponsor the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, cool. There you go. Expensive. Just put it out there. Yeah, just put it out there. If you if you um, work for Eames, you know. Yeah. Just just in case though, other comfortable chairs are available. <laughs>
What is his sad cuisine? That's what I want to know. I don't know either. Drugs come back up in this album. Yeah. Cooking up? Maybe not. Well, he says frying up, doesn't he? So Yeah. It always like, makes me think of what I have for my dinner quite a lot. Like what? Just like a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a grilled cheese sandwich. But when you have it for most nights. <laughs> it's just great lyrics. And I just like how he just rattles off these things that are, they're expensive. Yeah. And, but he equates them because he says like the talk, the sex, somebody to trust. And then it's like three lines of like material <laughs> things, like two it houses. Like a bit of a jerk. And, yeah. We've seen this iteration of Gentleman Loser in so many songs. We could make a Gentleman Loser Steely Dan playlist. We could. Oh, we There's should. There's enough. And this one, this guy, he's probably like the least downbeat. I don't know. I don't know if there's something a little bit kind of tragic about him, though. Frying up his sad cuisine, getting in bed and curling up with a girly magazine, just as his meal for one, and then gets into bed and looks at porn. Who was still looking at porn magazines in 2003? That's a very good. <laughs> that's a very good question. <laughs> but then there's this other aspect to this album, which is kind of older guys. Yeah, it pops up a couple of times, like older guys trying to kind of, you know, be down with the kids. Well, they're kind of just reckoning with their increasing age, aren't they? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, shall we move on to Blues uh, Beach? speech this is i've written oh dear at the top of my notes here we go again <laughs> this is it this is the one i'm so happy that they had a song like this so steely dan so jolly so it's kind of did did yeah it's like yeah it's oh, got that really weird song. like whistling synth line on it hasn't yeah. it yeah it's really perky yeah <laughs> it almost sounds like the intro to a comedy show. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. But no, it's not. He starts with the line, I was scraping bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Because once again, we have a song about heroin addicts. Yeah. Towards the end, he says slacken the tension, which is yeah, which is definitely um, a nod to heroin. The mean streets um, of Medicine Park. So this confused me. Medicine Park. So Medicine Park, isn't that some kind of fancy resort, isn't it, in Oklahoma? Yeah. But I didn't get the idea of it being mean streets. I know that it had sort of a bit of an interesting history with the people that would visit, like notorious cowboys used mm. to visit there. To me, it seems a bit like a fancy, well, it's fancy like a part holiday of it. resort. Yeah, because I did look it up and found that same information. But mm. I just kind of felt like Medicine Park, it's, it's more to me like it's just like a shady part of town mm. in a yeah. city. Yeah. Maybe. Interesting that he used the click my heels imagery, which yeah. is kind of Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And then he's back on Blue's Beach frying, <laughs> getting fried on Blue's Beach. Yeah. We have a new Steely Dan contraption, the paranymphic glider, which is gross. It is a horrible word. It's a horrible word. Isn't he talking about it in the context of picking up Trina, the child bride? Yeah. 
it's just really grimy. Yeah. All of the lyrics, it conjures up such a, an evocative idea of drug addicts getting messed up doing heroin and being in a really bad place it makes me think about there's a song called sunday morning coming down right because he talks about it's a long sad sunday of the early resign because yeah. there's something about sundays if you like to party sundays are like the candy, worst fucking the day worst. yeah because party's over you're either kind of trying to hang on to the last dregs of whatever you were doing the night before and invariably you've got to go to work the next day Mm. And even if you're not partying, Sundays can be quite bleak. Yeah, because you've got to go back to you've work. You've got to go back to day. work. Yeah. Some might say you need a new job. So <laughs> <to go> there. <laughs> Classic Steely Dan, jolly song, miserable lyrics. Yeah, asking if your roommate wants to come in on the action. Oh, gross! God, really, guys? <laughs> it's like they're so aware of how grim things can be, aren't they? Yeah, and they get it so right. I'm almost like, how do you know? that's really gross i think it's down to the fact that they just read a lot because we've talked about this before haven't we i think yeah we've picked up on this before like they're so astute with grimness they're so kind of i don't think they've ever been that person oh, they no. must have met people like that they must have been around people like that or heard stories about people like that yeah it's something that carl jung referred to as like shadow work Oh, here we go. Where you confront the evil power that's in you and you kind of reckon with it and you make peace you with it. I can't believe you brought Young to the party. Well, you know. Nowhere's off limits. Nowhere's off limits. <laughs> Next week, I'll be uh, comparing the Carry On series, <laughs> Noam Chomsky's discourse oh on <laughs> late period capitalism. Awesome. I can't wait. Do you know what? There's probably a think piece already out there about that. <laughs> Talking of the evil of humanity, if that's the right way of putting it, maybe not. I'm not sure if that's about to be really insensitive. Godwacker. I fucking love this song. This is like a favourite Steely Dan song for me. Is it really? Yeah. Maybe not top 10, top 20, but it's in there. It's got such a good groove, this one, oh, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. It's got a really good groove. about 9-11 which is a bit of a tricky subject yeah just a little bit seven heavens yeah seven heavens in islam what i am confused about is there's some kind of hindu imagery in this song because he talks about the big tiger yeah and there's a tiger god in in the hindu religion mm. but then he talks about them being the rajas of a race and raja is like a monarch in india mm. And I don't know whether that's them misunderstanding, but then they're so bright, they're so clever, they wouldn't have misunderstood. I think it's deliberately vague that you don't know what religion. It's almost as if these people are a cult. Yeah. And that they've kind of got a grab bag of religion and mix <laughs> a loads grab of. Bag. Yeah. A pick and mix. A pick and mix religious Here's cult. Here's a funny one. This has obviously got absolutely nothing to do with it, but Raja <laughs> is the name of Princess Jasmine's tiger in <laughs> Disney's Aladdin. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck's that all about? I didn't really go any further with that one, but I'm thinking, wow, oh my God, is there some kind of hidden message in Aladdin? Yeah. But 
Jesus, imagine that. Well, I don't know. It refers to Slinky Redfoot as well. Is that the devil? Yeah. We drank your almighty ass through seven heaven worms. Me, Slinky Redfoot, and our trusty angel girls. And when the stars bleed out, that day the fear of the chains. You better get gun poppy. Got a record on the case. And they say you better get gone poppy. 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 Opium. Opium, yeah. It's a tricky one. Mm. It's a tricky one. But then I think this album as well, I think there's a lot of cryptic lyrics in this. There's one song in particular that I was I was still like, oh, I still haven't quite got. We're sort of back in sort of royal scam territory, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. I suppose. Maybe not so much Asia, but yeah, certainly royal scam territory in terms of the imagery and the cryptic lyrics and having to research what things mean, mm. which I haven't really haven't had to do for a little while. It was quite weird. I was like, oh my God, I'm falling into a hole now about Raja, <laughs> Raja the Tiger from Disney's Aladdin. <laughs> and is that a melodica? Yeah, I think so. Who's playing that, I wonder? It's got to be Don. It's got to be Don, hasn't it? Yeah. It's not mentioned anywhere as it being on that record, but it so definitely is a melodica, which I love. I love the weird instruments that they play. Yeah. Didn't Walter come up with the phrase God Whacker after his mum died? Did he? Yeah, I think so. Which is quite sad. Mm. There is a bit of a sadness threaded throughout this album. There's a weariness and a and almost like a sense of resignation Yeah, going through it. And again, I don't know whether that's me projecting. That's just their late period writing, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. They're not angry young men anymore. They're weary old dudes. I feel like there is a little bit of anger in it. I feel like there is a little bit of defiance, I suppose, which is weird considering this is their last album. Mm. In a way, I wonder whether that's appropriate in the, I think really what I need to do, I need to get to the last song. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to talk about it. I really want to talk about everything must go. <laughs> yeah, we will. We um, will. Okay. Okay. I'm so in circles. Oh, a surprise. and We've both made a confession about this song, Slang of Ages. Yeah. It's a Walter song. It is. We're getting Walter on vocals. It's notable. It's a fucking good song. It's a good song. Yeah. Yes. Um, I take back everything we ever said about you, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really weird having him sing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he doesn't really he, sing. He kind of like talks. Yeah, he does kind of talk sing on this one. But I love this song. Mm. It's, it's so funny. It's really funny song. Yeah. When I listened to it superficially and I heard some of the lyrics popping out, I was like, what the fuck are they singing about? <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. And then obviously you read the lyrics properly and you understand the meaning and it is really funny. Yeah. It's kind of like his take on Hey 19. Oh, yeah. I think you're right. Without the I heroine. Without the heroine. It's a song about an older guy trying to impress a younger girl. Isn't yeah. It? By using phrases that either he shouldn't be saying or that makes him sound really stupid. It's a really, I think it's a really self-aware song. Yeah. It's really self-aware about how old they are when they're writing it. Mm. I say this guy is having a midlife crisis. Yeah. Because he says... Are you all part of the dream? Happen in between. You ought to know 
has yeah. to be. I'm having a midlife crisis. I'm going going off with this young girl. We're going to do acid. Yeah, I was wondering if they were doing acid or if they were doing pills, if they're doing like ecstasy. But it must be, you'd say a tab of acid, wouldn't you? Yeah, these tabs look iffy, yeah. but you say they're good. Let's roll with the homies. <laughs> <laughs> and knock on wood. That was the lyric I heard, kind of picked it out of context when I was yeah. first listening to it. And I was like, what are they doing? And I was embarrassed, but now I understand that it's completely deliberate. Of course it's deliberate. Mm. It's Steely Dan. They would never do anything. They're just so unbelievably cool. They're like, yeah, we're old. We're out of touch and we know it and we're going to make a song about it. Yeah. But I think they're doing acid because... I think she's obviously decided that she doesn't really want to hang out with this guy because he's a bit of a loser. (laughs) Um, She's fucking like referencing Duke of L. Yeah. (laughs) Like, hey, oh yeah, I'm rolling with the homies listening to Duke of L. I do love that song though. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's something a tiny little bit stilted about, I think, the bass and drums. And there's the drumming on overall on this album. I'm finding a little bit of a disappointment. Oh, and I feel a bit bad saying that because I think it's not as, I don't know, there's just a spark missing, I think, from some of the percussion. Yeah. I think once we got to the point of Nightfly, where they yeah. were starting to only want to use drum machines... Yeah. Uh, they're, they're just making their drummers play really sparsely. Yeah. It's a shame, though, because they've gone from having, like, some of the most incredible drummers. Yeah. To having just something that's a bit of an afterthought, really. Yeah. But I think it's not shitty drumming. Oh, God, no. It's not so bad it's drumming like, at all. It's probably just as difficult as it was for, like, Steve Gadd to do Asia in one take. Yeah. You know? There's just nothing fancy no, happening. I think, but I think that's an age thing as well, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. Compared to Two Against Nature, I found Two Against Nature a little bit too sterile. Yeah. In terms of, like I mentioned before, when established bands have a comeback, mm. and it's a sanitized version of what they used to be. Yeah. I feel like this album has shaken that off a little bit. Yeah. They are more relaxed, and they are more. It's quite bluesy. Mm. And quite kind of jazzy and laid back. And you have lots of opportunities. You can hear them kind of playing around and noodling in the background yeah. and on this one. And on the last mall as well, you can really kind of, the organ noodling in this one particularly in Slang of Ages is quite nice in this one. And you kind of feel like they were, feel like they were having a bit of fun with it. Yeah. Especially if they're playing live, they're just mm. yeah in the groove, just in the pocket. Mm. And just enjoying playing without yeah. having to you know all those like tight turnarounds and like surprise middle eights and mm-hmm. like, they've got nothing to prove now have no, they no they're not trying to stretch themselves at this point no 
No, and I respect them. Like, I would make crack a stupid joke about it earlier. Like, if they come back with a dance album, <laughs> you imagine how awful it would be. Yeah. But they, you know, they're comfortable with their age. They're comfortable with their position mm. and their achievements. They're steely down. They can do yeah. whatever they like, yeah. more or less. So the next song, Green Book, is the one that I'm not really sure what this is about. I haven't got a, I haven't got a clue what this is about. Well, the Green Book is a, an online directory of New York City, isn't it? Yeah. But, yes, it is. But I, I was like, so it's nearly six minutes long. Yeah. It's got a really good groove, this one as well. Yeah. And this one I feel like could be on the Royal Scam. kind of picking over the lyrics and i was like is this a sexy song is this rude i think it's yeah. about sex and it's about new york i think because he talks about this crazy grid of desire yeah which is obviously all the blocks in new york city yeah green book is the directory in nyc but then i was like i find it really gross the way he's describing this woman just as body parts like the torso yeah the eyes of keepers mm. now where do we sample those legs marilyn 4.0 Like, what is he talking about? And then <laughs> I did some more digging on the internet. And has he made this person? Has he designed this this person to have sex with? It's like a Frankenstein sex doll. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Oh, gross. Yeah, really gross. <laughs> but it's just the word torso. You only have yeah. the word torso in, in the context of like... Of it being separate... Yeah, yeah, quite unpleasant as well. Like these kind of separate body parts, and I was mm. like, "This is really quite kind of yeah, it's a bit misogynistic." He says it's a sweet device. Yes, I Ooh. think you're onto something there. Well, I think that could be what it is. Like it's in the future because there are a couple of futuristic songs in this album. Well, it's all kind of not all futuristic, but yeah. there's like the, the apocalypse, and there's Pixeline later on, which is kind of. I say the thing is, I keep forgetting that this album was made in 2003. Yeah. Like, it wasn't made in the 70s. No. So, of course, they're going to be talking about slightly more modern things. Mm. So, I have to keep reminding myself that this hasn't been made by some 20-year-old lads um, in 1976 or whatever. Yeah. Is this in a sign-in stranger type environment where you can make your own person to have sex with your virtual reality sex doll third hand rose oh. <laughs> i think you've hit the horrible hammer flash ahead to a yummy playback <laughs> you and me in a room i like the neon i love the music it's a bit grim shall we talk about the becker and fagan solos on this because they go toe to toe on this on yeah they the do yeah, you've got Walt on guitar, Don on synth. And they're playing a solo at the same time. Yeah. It's 
absolutely awesome. Yeah, because for a little while I thought it was two guitar solos. No, it's not. But I was it does like, sound oh, like no. a guitar, doesn't it? Yeah, the synth. it sounds really close. Mm. But yeah, they're playing dueling solos against yeah. each other. Which I just love. I love that. Yeah, it's but amazing. they recorded it separately. Oh, wow. Which is even madder, mm. apparently. Which but is, it totally works. Yeah, it totally works. It kind of disappoints me a little bit. I just really like the idea of them both being in the same room together and like vibing off of each other. But then also them recording it completely separately and also it working so perfectly together is extremely steely down. <laughs> yeah, it is. Isn't it? Like they're yeah. so familiar with each other, I think, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, bless them. I love Steely Dan, John. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't know if uh, if any listeners have realised that. Yeah. Oh, and that's the big reveal <laughs> at the end. Hey, guess what? We love Steely Dan. We love Steely Dan. But yeah, this one was a funny one. Because Jill St. John, so he talks about the new cashier looks like Jill St. John. Yeah. She played a Bond girl. Didn't she die recently? Jill St. John, I don't know. I'm pretty sure she No, did. hang on. Are you thinking of Ronna Blackman? No, I know she's still alive. I was thinking St. John, Heaven, I don't know. Jill St. John was the first American Bond girl. Yeah, I don't know. Is it a red herring? Probably a red herring. Well, let's chuck that in there, really fuck with their heads. <laughs> they like doing that. Yeah, they do kind of just pull out women that you wouldn't expect. Yep, I Kathy th- Barbarian. Kathy Barbarian, yeah. that's. Yeah. I kind of feel like they might agonise over when they're referencing like a famous woman. It's easy to dismiss what they sing about as being misogynistic. And I think there are aspects of their songs which are. Yeah. I think they are telling a story from somebody's perspective. And that person happens to be a bit of a dick. (laughs) But they're still very much the nerds of Bard College that don't really fit in Mm -hmm. and put women on a pedestal. Yeah. They never truly move away from that, do they? No, they don't. They don't. But then, you know, they've had... the. Well, I think Walter has had kids by now. He's got teenage children at this point. Don, I think, has stepkids. Yeah. And they've obviously been married and had partners. So I think maybe their view on things has changed a little bit. And also being in a band like Steely Dan, they would have had lots of um, encounters with young ladies. Yeah. I imagine. No doubt. And that would have changed their, maybe that would have changed their view on things. Yeah. I'd like to think it did. I hope so. But then (laughs) the next song. (laughs) (laughs) This really disappoints me, this song. I think it's brilliant. I think it's actually a really brilliant, clever, interesting song. Yeah. And then they ruin it (laughs) by being a little bit too titillating. Yeah. So... Pixeline is it's a song about a movie pitch, isn't it? Yeah. About a teenage superhero who, on the one hand, is trying to fight a guy and she's clinging to the roof of a speeding train. But then on the other hand, her dad's like, come on, you've got to come home for tea. And it's this movie pitch about this particular character who's animated. Do yeah. you think she's animated? She's yeah, she's like 3D. Three times yeah. perfect. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> talks about this really cool teenage superhero character but then he says you whip a knife from the top of your go-go boot just a flash <laughs> of spectacular thigh it's like a teenager for god's sake dirty old man you 
something a bit she's kind of like she's trying not to let on to her dad and her boyfriend that she's kind of doing these fantastical things Mm -hmm. one thing that's quite notable about this song is that there is an actual featured female vocalist well she's actually got a co-write oh really oh maybe it's not a co-write but on spotify on the track they actually list Carolyn Leonhardt. Leonhardt. Yeah, yeah. Because she, she has like a little bit of a, a solo in it. I don't think she had a co-write. I think she's just oh, right. a, as she's a featured just, yeah. singer. Yeah. I do find the backing vocalists are a bit more kind of prominent on this album. We've also got Catherine Russell does backing vocals and she ended up touring with them as well. Mm. They've actually started calling them by their actual names now instead of, I mean, that obviously happened a while ago, but they used to give their backing singers like fake names. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like it was a bit of a joke. Yeah. They, it's very different times as well though, isn't it? Very different times. Very different times, especially I think there was an optimism, wasn't there, at the beginning of the noughties when yeah. things felt a little bit, yeah, like these were going to change for the better. And now look where we are. <laughs> the bin got bigger and the flames got higher. Oh, God. <laughs> this song is so clever. Yeah. I think it's really clever because the backstory changes of the character and it's yeah. almost like the whole pitch is being watered down. They just want to make a quick buck. They want to film it like on the cheap yeah, um, and get it churned out really quickly. And it's almost like the original vision of this character and, you know, her story is lost. And you can see the story and the backstory and what makes this character really interesting and, and three-dimensional, ironically, just disappearing and being watered down all the way through to the end. Yeah, of- it just kind of becomes more homogenised. Yeah, exactly. Because you get to the point where he says... And that's it. She's gone yeah. from being like this really interesting. You know, she was trained how to love and spy hard, dropped on the streets of Rapongi, soaked through on the floor of a noodle shop. That's like, it conjures up such a vivid impression, yeah. doesn't it, of this character. And then all of a sudden she's. Well, know. they flip it, don't they? Because at the end they say, born on the floor of a noodle shop, yeah. dropped in the bogs of Jersey. Yeah. It's a great song. It's really clever. Yeah. It just makes you kind of think about how stuff does get watered down it's kind of almost Mm -hmm. like a a bit of a tirade about how like the end product is always you know some kind of compromise against Mm -hmm. just getting it out and making the money Ooh, is that an interesting little jab maybe because they've already covered this kind of topic before haven't they when Mm. they were being held back by the label yeah it's like are these modern films yeah, because they were pushed into making quite a commercial sounding record for Countdown to Ecstasy, weren't yeah. they? And then they came back with Katie Light. <laughs> <laughs> so this is why this album just feels like a natural conclusion. Yeah. 
because it picks it, up on so many different themes from all of their other albums. Yeah. And in the album itself goes full circle as well. Yeah. Whether they intended to do that or not, I don't know. But that's why, as a final recording for them as a band, I don't feel like they've left us hanging. It feels like a logical conclusion. It's like a best of highlights reel. Yeah, but not actually, you know, running over old ground. No. Still able to make some points that are a reference to like that time and place, like 2003. Mm. Isn't it funny sitting here thinking about Can't Buy a Thrill Mm. and thinking about how it sounded and how different it is now as a sound, as in a band? Yeah, you know, I, I still feel Can't Buy a Thrill, it does feel like a compromise or that they're they're not, well, they're just young, aren't they? Their mm-hmm. view of the world and, you know, all the music that they would have heard building up all the way up to this, mm-hmm. everything that would have come out and what they must have heard and their own life experiences. It's just really fully formed, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it is. It's a good album. Yeah. And again, they do paint some quite vivid pictures in their songs. And it's a little bit like the the little vignettes that they create and have done on previous recordings. Yeah. This sort of perfectly looking in, you know, through a window of a house and seeing something happening. Yeah. So lunch with Gina, is this GHB or is this vagina? (laughs) (laughs) Or is Gina just, I don't like using the word stalker. The psycho woman trope is bullshit. Yeah. Just for the record, everyone, it's either it is what it is, and she's a, like this, you know, this ex partner or, or current partner. I don't know who he's trying to kind of shake, but I mean, I kind of like the sound of her, to be honest. She says, Don't fuck Regina. <laughs> she will be waiting for you when you come out of the restaurant. Yeah, if you let her into your life, then yeah. she's, yeah. well, Lunch Regina is forever. Yeah, Lunch Regina is forever. You can't get rid of her. But that's what's making me wonder whether Gina is a drug. Wow. I don't know, because you've got the bit where he's in his apartment and he's kind of pretending that he's not there. And he says, But that, to me, sounds like he's on drugs. It's weird, because the next verse, I think he's, it's a flashback. Yeah. Because he's waiting for her to turn up. Yeah. In a cosy booth, maybe my watch is fast. So, obviously, he's been looking at his watch, and she's late. Yeah. So he's looking, you know, so he has another gin, and then he's about to go crazy, and then she turns up. I guess she's a knockout. Hey, where have I been? Is that about waiting for your dealer to turn up and then all of a sudden you've taken it, you've taken heroin or whatever, and then you come to and you're like, oh, holy shit, where am I? What's happened? But then he says, the waiter never comes. God knows the service could be better. Is that about sex? Like a decreased libido. Oh, I don't know. This is a real head scratcher, this one. But, you know, if Gina's a real person, call me, Gina. (laughs) (laughs) i've got some problems i need you to sort out (laughs) yeah it's funky this one though isn't Mm, it it's like funk rock i hadn't considered it about being about drugs at all oh okay but what did you think it was about just him avoiding gina gina i just don't know now i duck into nino's 
She's barred from the place. No drugs in Nino's. The minute I walk out, she's right in my face. And there she is, outside, trying to get away from her. Neither of us really want it to be the crazy woman trope. No. I don't know if it is. We've never had that from them before. They're always so cryptic. There's bits in this song that make me think, I don't think it is about a crazy woman. Yeah, just them kind of just like hiding away from everything. Mm. Yeah, it's a head scratcher. It is a head scratcher. Phone Don. I'll yeah, I'll him. get Don on the phone. <laughs> That's the easy solution, isn't it? Yeah, we'll just ring him up and ask him. Yeah. Thing is, though, he'll probably just say, well, whatever you think it's about. That's what it's about. He'd probably just tell us to fuck off. Yeah, probably. Honestly, I'd be honoured if he told me to fuck off. And then the next day we've got a cease and desist letter about this podcast. About the podcast. It's all done with love. My brain's fried. Well, it's just as well because we're at the last track. Oh. See, this track, I keep talking about this track. Because I think they knew they were going to stop recording Steely Dan albums. There is no vagueness in this. No. And even the way it starts, it sounds like an encore or a finale. Mm. Because the actual intro to this song is completely different to the actual song, isn't it? When it says... Time, time for a walk on the real side. Let's admit the past has beat us. To dissolve the corporation in a pool of margarita. To me, is them just kind of acknowledging and accepting. It's like we're done. Their loss of relevance. Yeah. They were so innovative and so important. And then, did they fuck it up? Do you know what I think they did? They fucked it up after Gaucho. They had signed to Warner Brothers. They had this big record contract that just went fucking nowhere. Mm. Yeah, literally nowhere. You know, there's no Steely Dan record on Warner Brothers after Gaucho. No. No. And they even mentioned Dave from Acquisitions. (laughs) Dave Palmer. Yeah. It's got to be about Dave Palmer. Their whole career flashing before their eyes almost. Yeah. I think. I find it really sad because <laughs> they've just like gone, yeah, fuck it. That's it. We're done. No more Steely Dan albums. The lyrics in this song are brilliant. Because then we get to like that last bit in the last verse. Can it be the sorry sun is rising? Guess it's time for us to book it. To book it. Talk about the famous road not They fucking know. They know. They didn't do it. We got a few good licks in. No one's yep. ever going to know because we're going out of business. Everything must go. Like, that's making me a bit tearful. <laughs> they made a conscious decision. This is the last record. Yeah. And then they were like, we are literally telling you yeah. in this song. It's not mentioned anywhere. I couldn't find any kind of... Outside of this podcast, is there really any conversation about what these songs really mean. I don't think so. Everyone fucking loves Peg. Yeah. And no and one knows what Peg's about. Peg's, Peg's the worst one. <laughs> Peg, like Peg. Peg is up there 
with everyone's gone to the movies. I know, it's bad, isn't it? It's on equal footing with that song. Mm. It's just as, just makes your flesh crawl when you think about what it's about. Yeah, but it's such a brilliant, jolly song. Yeah. They're so good at it. There's a plaintiveness about this song, I think. Mm. It's a bow, isn't it? they're, They're literally tying a bow. On, on their studio discography yeah but going. see you later it's not they're not going out of a bang in true steely down fashion they're going out with a shrug oh yeah bang on there's a self-awareness in this album yeah you know how did they lose that ego age i suppose so it's age isn't it but is it though yeah if i think about that with myself, I'm the most mellow I've been in my whole life. Maybe it was just the, the experiences they had, you know, from Gaucho, massive hiatus, and then quite a quiet little comeback. But Two you, albums worth yeah. of comeback and then touring. Did that kind of put things into perspective? Or did for they them? just realise they weren't this this band that are renowned for these like massive musical statements? Yeah. Come back with a record and everyone's just like, that's yeah, all right. Yeah, Two Against Nature won four Grammys. Yeah. Which I find a little bit... Do do you think they were... I don't want to say the phrase pity Grammys because that's really mean. But the whole kind of entertainment industry never recognises its art in its time, does it? It's always making like a lifetime award or it's it's like, uh, you know, it's time to give these people these awards like scorsese for instance yeah like you think of all the amazing fucking films he's made didn't win fucking shit no like just didn't win anything even even, like got beat by like ridiculously shitty films (laughs) but that's just hollywood though isn't it you know if you think jeffrey toll won a grammy before steely dan did no really yeah because jeffrey toll beat the Black Album by Metallica to a Grammy. Listen, I am pro-Toll. Yeah, I am pro-Toll. <laughs> and we'll get into that maybe one <laughs> maybe, day. Maybe. Maybe we'll do a Jethro Toll album. Ooh, write that down, John. Um, you know, yeah. if, if we start getting into like who got awards before Steely Dan did, it's kind mm. of, then you're just like, they were always, you know, in the 70s, they were kind of like, they're like a musician's band, aren't they? Yeah. They're like a yeah. critic's band. Like they stopped touring. So they weren't a band of the people, really. No. Because they just didn't have that connection with an uh-huh. audience. Yeah. It was like a very cerebral experience uh-huh. once they kind of got up to full steam. Yeah. And and it was kind of like an exercise in musical fidelity and, and complexity. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, they started touring again in the 90s and wanted to make more records. But the way they wanted to just do it as they've ever done on their own terms, mm. but their own terms in late 90s, 2000s were not the same as their own terms in the mid to late 70s. No, I think probably what I'm trying to get at with their lack of ego is because of how important they were and how revered their recordings were. Yeah. If they were to have carried on and continued making albums and they had released an album with Warner Brothers and, you know, things were different. Yeah. I wonder whether they would still have produced this incredibly self-aware record, which completely lacks ego to Mm. me. Yeah. 
ending the record on this song where they're basically like, yeah, we're not relevant anymore. And then I guess, we're going to walk away, you know, in a dignified yeah. way. If they'd carried on, what kind of people would they have been at the oh, end? Can of you imagine that? them like in the like MTV, like making MTV videos? Because they would have been pressured to. Yeah. yeah. You know, if we got to like 86, when like MTV's like really kicking off, would they have made a song like Boys of Summer by Don Henley? <laughs> no. I don't know now. We don't though. know. But Maybe we've run know. out of ideas. So, oh, you know, we've got to go after the pop hits now. Yeah, maybe there would have been just too much pressure for them and they would have had to compromise their integrity yeah. like they had to in the early days. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I feel like we're, like, dissecting them. You've only just realised that. No, I mean, I really feel... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, what have we been doing the whole time? <laughs> no, I mean, like, forensically examining them oh i feel sad but they were able just to say got a few good licks in mm. no one's ever gonna know that's just so fucking humble we had it we did it we made one of the greatest all-time records of all time and they're able to say in their like late 50s mm. we got a few good licks in yeah Reeling in the years, a good lick. A good lick, yeah. You know, Ricky, don't lose that number. A good lick. Black cow. Black cow, a good lick. I think I'm going to go and listen to Asia after we've finished recording. <laughs> Just have a little cry. Your theory at the top of this episode, I wasn't so sure on. What, that it goes full circle? No, that they knew. I think they set out to make an album which was almost like a best of our best bits. Let's mm. pick out the things that we do best. Do you think it was a conscious decision or do you think they were just accepting their legacy? Mm. That maybe their life now was more than arguing over a fade out on a song <laughs> or, or two lines from a song. Had this album not ended with Everything Must Go, I would agree with you. But Steely Dan, everything is deliberate. There's never any accidents with this band. Sure. There's, everything's there for a reason. And they're so unbelievably clever. Mm. That's um, the thing. They were so clever that they so could clever. they could just so realise. They just mm. knew. They just mm. were at this point. They didn't want to do diminishing returns. They didn't mm. want to. They got to make the decision. Because the decision to not continue after Gaucho... Mm. It was kind of more of a drift, wasn't it? Yeah. Than them then, actually say, we're not going to do it. Cause, but then, yeah, Walt got a, a, yeah. in a bit of a mess, didn't he? Yeah. But they but, actually could just decide that they were just going to fucking pull down the shutters. Yeah. Pull down the shutters on the last mall. It's big. It was big, eh? God love them. Damn you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So there we have it. There we have it. The last Steely Dan album. Mm. We've kind of got like an epilogue to follow in yeah. the next three. So we've got Walter Becker's records mm -hmm. and we've got two more solo Walt records to go. Um, so next we're talking about Morph the Cat. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, me too. So Nightfly, Kamakiri, Morph the Cat. Donald Fagan has called a trilogy, so... I literally didn't know that. 
another... You've just blown my mind. Another end. Oh, God. <laughs> Stop ending. <laughs> it's like, this is like the end of fucking Lord of the Rings when there's about four <laughs> endings. <laughs> wait, till, wait till you get to the episode where all the hobbits are bouncing on the bed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Cool. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.